0: Flashback, November 2004. A brand new radio station launched onto the World Wide Web. That station was WebmasterRadio.fm. Today, Webmaster Radio is one of the fastest growing internet media outlets in the world. The world. Webmaster Radio boasts one of the most respected talk radio lineups in the internet business world. Danny Sullivan. Chris Paul, Susan Bratt. Jim Hedger. Barry Schwartz. Jeremy Schumacher. Brian and Jeffrey Eisen, Greg Nyland, Katie Kempner. We travel coast to coast to bring you the most extensive and detailed live Coverage of the most high-profile trade shows in the world. Ad tech. Search engine strategy. RSA. Webmaster World. DMA. Ecom Expo. And we have brought you keynote speeches and interviews of some of the biggest influential names in business today. Eric Schmidt. Andrew Haywood. Barry Diller, John Patel. Keith us And way too many others to mention. Our live programming and on-demand podcasting keeps the B2B world informed. We, we are Webmaster Radio. And we're everywhere. Stand by for the hook.
1: Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner. Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin, Porter & Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now, here's your host, Katie Kempker.
2: Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, January 30th, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to thought leaders in the world of advertising, branding, marketing, and PR who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that you will find inspiration and new ideas and have the chance to hear about things from a slightly new angle. Today, I am very privileged to be talking with Judy Barry, Senior Vice President for Sales and Marketing for the Wall Street Journal. The, the journal continues to fascinate me, as many people, as it has been able to remain so clearly the world's leading business publication. In the past, I've had from the editorial side, Suzanne Vernica, advertising reporter and columnist for the journal, and more recently, Richard Hine, who at the time worked for Judy Barry and joined us to talk more specifically about the weekend edition. Today, I plan to to focus um, in part on the recent redesign of the journal and its implications. And just a little bit about Judy before I introduce her. She has an incredibly impressive bio. Judy Barry is Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Wall Street Journal, and she reports directly to the publisher of the journal. She joined Dow Jones in September of 2004 as Vice President of Marketing And in that role, she oversaw global marketing activities, including creative services, advertiser, market research, promotion, and business development. And then in April 2005, she was given added responsibility for U.S. journal advertising sales. I'll let her tell a little bit more about herself, but I do want to say that she earned an MBA from Harvard University and a bachelor's degree in English from Barnard College at Columbia University. She's on the board of the American Advertising Federation and the World Trade Center Memorial Foundation's Communications Advisory Council. And I think I first met her in May 2006 when she was recognized as one of Advertising Ages 2006 Women to Watch. Holy cow! Hello, Judy!
3: Hi, Katie. How are you? (laughs) That's quite something. (laughs) Thank you for that nice introduction.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's freezing in Miami.
3: It is. It is. Yeah, Have you That's talked to your mom?
2: It's terribly cold here.
3: I haven't. I haven't <laughs> talked to her in about a week. How cold? She's probably in a parka
2: right now. Well, <laughs> I, you know, our blood thins as we live here. But I mean, this morning it was in the 40s. Now it's probably in the 60s. I shouldn't say that to somebody in New
3: York. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I grew up in Miami, and I remember they would close the, my high school down anytime the temperature went below 40 because. Uh, there was no heating system, and people didn't have the clothes to to dress appropriately. So it's I crazy. remember those times. Yeah, it's strange when it happens in Miami.
2: Well, I was in New York last week, and it was nine degrees. So mm-hmm. that was a little too. And I'm from New Jersey, and I've decided that's too cold for me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> too? cold. Yes. So I, you know, I appreciate you so much saying that you would take the time to talk to me. Um, a, a lot of people. Uh, you know, I guess the big, big news from the journal recently is the redesign. And I I have so much to ask you about it, but maybe you could just sort of start and we could jump right in about, you know, what was the, why did it happen?
3: Um, Well, every year at the journal, there's a tremendous cost savings that are associated with uh, reducing the width of a newspaper and cutting down on the biggest cost item other than staff, which is newsprint. Um, And this wasn't news to Dow Jones or the journal every year, as you look at different ways to both increase revenue and cut costs, uh, the size of the paper was reevaluated. We always felt that advertisers and readers both liked the um, wider than usual format of the Wall Street Journal, but we learned a lesson uh, last year when we changed our format from a bigger newspaper to a more compact newspaper in both Europe and Asia uh... readers responded mm-hmm. enthusiastically to it our circulation increased as well as advertising and so we just started to do some research in in the u.s. and, and see if if it, it would have any appeal to readers uh, and also ask advertisers what they thought about it and all of our focus group research and our quantitative research came back that people wanted a more portable newspaper something they could carry around that would fit better in their briefcase especially for commuters in cities throughout the U.S., they wanted a journal that um, was easier to read and get through in confined spaces like trains and airplanes. So we delivered on that. We um, decided there were benefits to it, but not only did we want to reduce the costs, Through our research, we found out a lot more of what people wanted to see from us in the journal, and we wanted to reposition the newspaper, not just the size, but the content, to respond to the the way people get media today today, and how they receive their news today, which is quite different from even five years ago.
2: So that means more, um, what? That means having smaller things in the actual newspaper and more online, or what does that actually translate into?
3: Um, it translated with what people were telling us that they wanted. Um, besides a, a format change, they wanted a paper that was easier to navigate through and a paper that recognizes that they're getting uh, their news from a lot of different sources. So they may not follow the same media usage patterns that they used to. And, um, you know, some people are getting their breaking news from online, so they wanted the journal to be able to explain more what the news means and interpret the news rather than just report what happened yesterday. Uh, the jumps were frustrating, and people would read stories on the front page, and they'd have to look all over the paper to finish the story. Uh, we now have all the jumps going to, to predictable places, um, the same two pages every day for the first section and the same one page for all the other sections that follow. So uh, there, was a, there was a laundry list of what advertisers wanted to see and what readers wanted to see, and we set about for the past year to try to deliver everything that folks were looking for today and would want for the future.
2: Now, when I was talking to you about what it meant to actually implement, I mean, mm-hmm. it was really fascinating because in my mind, I thought, okay, well, they decided for whatever a myriad of reasons they're going to make the paper smaller, and mm-hmm. so they just made it smaller, but, you know, that is, couldn't be farther from the truth. Am I right about
3: that? Right. Um, You know, we we just got our first uh, reader reaction to it because we polled people right after it came out, one week after it launched. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very positive and encouraging. Um, Almost 80% of readers thought that the changes were delivered an overall improvement. Um, Large margins agreed with statements such as the narrow page makes it easier to handle, the paper is more visually appealing, I like the new look. In terms of new features, readers were enthusiastic about the new summary boxes for longer features, and um, I'll explain a little bit more about that. People said sometimes they have 10 minutes to get through the Wall Street Journal, and sometimes they have an hour or two or they can split it up and return to it several times during the day. So folks wanted us to continue with the long-form journalism that we have so that when they need to know in-depth about a story, they've got what they need to adequately cover that story. So we wouldn't be sacrificing any of our great journalism, mm-hmm. but... For, for days and moments when all they had time to do was skim through the paper, they wanted summary boxes that said what was in the article so they could see if if, if that's something that they should know, at least they could get the gist of it and be prepared for when they go in their office or, or set about doing their work for the day. And summary boxes actually tested the highest of all of our changes in terms of um, what people thought was valuable, as well as the naviga- the better navigation, the bolder headlines, and um, having all of the section-front stories jump to a predictable page every day.
2: Well, I was um, just looking through online some of the different feedback, and uh, I see in Jonah, Jonah Bloom writes an adage January 3rd, which is the day after it happened, you know, the redesign was launched, that... 80% of the paper to analyzing in giving over 80% of the paper to analyzing what the news means the journal has accepted that news is a 24-7 online commodity and that mm-hmm. the only way for a print publication to retain value in that environment is the kind of analysis that leaves readers feeling smarter.
3: That's true and that kind I mean, I thought Jonas' take was a very good take on the redesign I think he understood what was happening um, and for instance with the stock pages uh, we learned that you know that's fair that's commoditized news that people people can largely access online and mm-hmm. we're increasingly turning to online so what we did is you know we launched a market data center and we put all of the news that used to appear in the stock tables on that site and made it the comprehensive state-of-the-art financial site on the web um, and that launched in december but the official launch was on January 2nd when we announced it more broadly to the world. But um, we did get some complaints. There are certain some readers who counted on finding the stock listings, the comprehensive stock listings every day, and we did return some of the features that they said they missed. Um, we, we did not bring all the stock pages back today, but we heard what people most wanted to see returned, and it, it wasn't a lot of data to return. And we, we run everything on Saturdays in our weekend edition, but on Monday mm-hmm. to Friday, um, you know, we, we didn't, it, there were a couple areas where readers um, did say, a large portion of readers said, well, I don't think this was an improvement. And probably a third said, um, taking all of our stock listings, all the ones that we did take out wasn't in in their opinion an an improvement so some of that was returned and you know readers are divided on whether they like the letters to the editor appearing in the marketplace section instead of the A section and we we continue to look seriously at that and we're gonna see whether people get used to it and accept it or if not we would consider putting them back into the A section so uh, this is an ongoing process and uh, we believe strongly that we have to have an ongoing dialogue with our readers and advertisers
2: well, let me ask you something, because when, when um, we were talking last time, you were telling me that it took people working weekends and all these trial runs to actually get ready for the January 2nd launch. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's just so interesting.
3: Sure. Well, we had 600 people working. We had two test launches to make sure that we could pull this off because we we have printing plants throughout – Throughout the world that um, and the ones in the u s we have several and almost all of them had to be retrofitted in order to run the new size paper and we have completely different ad sizes now we moved to standard advertising units to make it more convenient for advertisers um, and so a lot changed, and we had to have all of our ad layout people involved. the whole newsroom had to to, to produce um, these papers, which We're ready to go. So there were 600 Mm -hmm. people working through the weekends and all hours, and then the paper would run and it would move through the up to the point of delivery, and then it wouldn't be delivered because it wasn't the real newspaper. (laughs) It was, um, you know, we we took every every step we could take to make sure that nothing went wrong on January second because we did tell a lot of advertisers about this, and we had a lot of press coverage on the changes. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the press coverage because,
2: I mean, I know you're not in, in charge, responsible for the PR, but my mm-hmm. understanding is you had a very um, strong voice in the, in the direction of it and how it was going to be, and I mean, it seems to me something like this where you're taking something that everybody is so used to in one very specific way and changing it so drastically, there's going to be a lot of people who just automatically don't want it. They don't like it, they don't want it, they don't know it, and that's that. And, mm-hmm. I mean, how did you look at that and prepare for it from a PR standpoint, getting ready for the January 2nd launch?
3: Well, we, um, first we did the, the extensive research that we did let us know that um, readers were going to like at least a smaller format. Um, we, we did various issues of the prototype. I mean, we had three or four different editions that we would mm-hmm. test with readers throughout the country as well as uh, bring out and show very influential people in the media-buying community, and they would react to it. And they helped us shape um, the newspaper that ended up premiering on January 2nd. So we knew at the point in the focus groups where we would take the new Wall Street Journal, this is, I guess, by September, uh, which was when the last prototype was, was shown when it would come out of the boxes and we would just watch the whole room go, this is better, this is more convenient, I like it better, we knew that you know, people in the media are also readers, too, and consumers, and chances are their reaction could be very similar to what we were seeing um, in the focus groups. And, and it was. We had you know, Diane Sawyer taking it out and talking about how much she liked it, and Regis Philbin, and, of course, you know, <laughs> Dave, Dave um Letterman did a spoof on it, but, you know, we, we had um, some 800 major media placements, and most of them in broadcast, but also including uh, large presence in print and online. Uh, mm-hmm. we, had, we had other newspapers writing favorably, like the Los Angeles Times Media Critic, who uh, Flattered us for the focus on, on what uh, new, the news means is our, is our angle. And um, also recognizes Jonah, as you mentioned Jonah did, um, recognize that online does what it does best. And, that, you know, that helps it helps identify which media should do what and, and help us organize our thinking and our message around that.
2: Well, that makes a lot of sense now, so overall now, do you think that with all the thinking that went into it and all the people I mean from this point, in, of course it 's still early and you 're still changing it'll it'll evolve it sounds like as it goes forward, but has it been a success
3: yes, we had um, we were following up on. You know, this January we were following up on last January, which was a very successful uh, month for us in 2006. And mm-hmm. we thought, even with the launch of Journal 3.0, we're up against double what our typical January is, and we even we even beat that January with our launch. So, we you know we finished up last year 2006 up nine percent in revenue here at the Journal, which is highly unusual for print publications in this day and age when online is exerting a lot of pressure, Um, and people are moving dollars from traditional media to online. But we had a very good year last year, and Journal 3.0 has helped us uh, start the year strong as well. We expect a, a good January as well as a good first quarter here at the Journal.
2: So, I mean, I I would assume that, you know, I was going to talk with you a little bit about the challenges of the newspaper business as a whole, and you just Mm -hmm. definitely picked up on one thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is more competition for ad dollars among different media. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, have you found with the sort of amped up Wall Street Journal online that you've been able to take some of those advertisers'
3: TV dollars and and move them over to online, or Um, is that not quite... We, we, we do get some television budgets. I mean, the Wall Street Journal online is, is unique. I know you've probably seen um, a lot of research regarding online says one of the biggest issues that online faces is, is trust as an advertising media. But, you know, the Wall Street Journal is voted as the most trusted publication of, of all in America, and that trust Carries over onto our online products, and so we're getting a lot of people that are investing in The Wall Street Journal Online and Market Watch that are associating you know the quality of trust with our online offering so it 's been growing at a nice pace, and um, you know launching the Market data Center is a premier state of the art financial center which is free mm-hmm. uh, to anybody who who goes there we 've since we made the official launch you know traffic doubled and you know we now run videos on it with Walt Mossberg, who's our leading technology uh reviewer who will do video reviews of say the new apple ipod or or whatever he happens to be reviewing um that week and we're getting a lot of traffic on there. we've been very happy with that but um you know we we definitely hear it at the print journal, and um I don't mean to imply that all we do is sell. Print here at the journal because almost all of our advertising buys have some other component um, of a Dow Jones property. It could be Market Watch, it could be WSJ.com, it could mm-hmm. be Barrons or Smart Money. Uh, you know, we have a total audience of 14 million, and people are looking to make integrated buys. And we work very closely with online to um, to make sure that you know we sell products where our advertisers can reach people in different places as they receive news in different ways. And Journal 3.0, you know, really advanced that cause.
2: Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come Mm -hmm. back, I want to talk more about the Wall Street Journal Online, about your job, about uh, the ad campaign, the new ad campaign, and definitely about the... uh The transition into some entertainment sponsorships that maybe the journal hasn't been part of before. Okay. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Thank you.
4: Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break.
1: It's a no-brainer. Reaching customers everywhere they search is smart business. However, reaching them through web and mobile search as well as free directory assistance with effective pay-per-call advertising is, well, ingenious. Ingenio pay call delivers highly targeted phone call leads to businesses looking for new customers. And the advertising business only pays for new customer lead. Call 1-800-705-0632 today to ask about your free trial or go to ingenio.com slash web radio that's ingenio.com slash web radio ingenio simply ingenious google adsense how do i earn from thee let me count the ways google you enable me to show targeted ads complementing my site so my visitors keep clicking throughout the day and night it was so easy to apply and select the ad formats I liked. Since I've discovered AdSense, I've been filled with delight. So earn more with matching ads, and you too can discover how. Just visit google.com AdSense now.
5: Wow. I never saw anyone fish with such a wide net before. Oh,
1: really? I don't like fishing with a pole. Can't catch the big ones fast enough. No kidding. You've got a bunch. Yeah, I know. This wide net gives me great distribution and reach. Really? How's it work? Well, fish like to move around to various parts of the lake, so by casting a wide net, I gather fish from everywhere they congregate. Wow, that's pretty smart. Thanks. Wide nets work. And they make you look smart.
5: If you're looking to cast a wider net and fish where the fish are, Look Smart advertising solutions can help. Go to signup.looksmart.com to learn more. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PRWeb was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PRWeb has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PRWeb is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PRWeb is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media.
6: PR Web. Melanie, what
2: can the problem be? Sweet.
0: Now tell me about your relationship with your mom, Melanie. Uh, is this
3: the Dr. Phil show, Byron? Oh yeah, I'm oh. interested
0: to hear more about that. And,
3: you know, you should be grateful to my mother. You wouldn't uh. have me here if it weren't for my mom. What, are you tra- are you telling me I'm my mother? We can have no, no, this radio no. show right now. What are your
0: thoughts? Does your mother stress you out? Do you think? I I'm asking.
3: I, I don't know. I moved 1,500 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> the only stress I have now is what the, the personal questions I get from you.
0: <laughs> get to know Melanie Mayer on Life Tips, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm you have arrived at
6: the destination for education and entertainment webmasterradio.fm because not everyone's last name is gates webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere
4: (laughs) now back to the hook
2: the intersection of advertising and pr
4: only on webmasterradio.fm now here's your host
2: Hi, welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner, and today I'm talking with Judy Barry, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing at the Wall Street Journal. Hello, Judy. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. One thing I was thinking about, cold weather in Miami, it does make for really nice hair days. (laughs) (laughs) You must remember that
3: from your youth here. (laughs) Definitely. It, it, It was... Definitely made for better haters.
2: <laughs> when I went to the University of Miami, the first like we f- I flew down here with my mom to go, and it was August, and we got off the plane, and it was like so humid, and my beautiful hair, which I had always so admired, all of a sudden did this bizarre thing. I said to my mom, "I got
3: to get back on the plane. I'm
2: gonna yeah. go like to
3: NYU." <laughs> no. Yeah, I think that's why I relocated to the Northeast. <laughs> Well, you do have fabulous hair actually
2: <laughs> so so we talked about the redesign, and I thought maybe you know I kind of jumped right into that, but I wanted to just go back a little bit and talk to a little bit about your your job and your responsibilities and and your mission
3: at the journal okay uh well my my job I oversee three hundred people um who handle the advertising sales for the U.S. Wall Street Journal, as well as the marketing to the advertising community um, globally. And I oversee the strategy department here for the journal, which does... The strategy department oversees um, the global uh, advertising sales strategy, as well as that for Dow Jones Online, Mm -hmm. um, and... Also, we have the ad services department here, which is the backbone of the newspaper, brings all of the ads together every day that we publish and um, combines it with the news in order to deliver um, the layouts for the paper. So there's a bit of an operational angle, a strategic angle, marketing, and then sales. And we work very closely with the newsroom uh, to, um, to m- maximize um, the relationship for the business overall, and it's a very positive relationship where we understand the church and state laws uh, here, Mm -hmm. but we also know the value of cooperation and and sitting down in a room together and discussing the future of the Wall Street Journal as a business. Um, And finally, I have uh, the role of, you know, representing the Wall Street Journal Revenue to Dow Jones, so I'm involved in long-range planning and forecasting for the Wall Street Journal as it fits within the bigger company of Dow Jones.
2: Wow, that's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of fun, too. (laughs) It's a great job. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of the fun, a fun aspect of it. I know that um, one of the places you've been taking the Wall Street Journal, which has been a big success, is getting involved in in entertainment opportunities and sponsorships and focusing attention on events that your readers are part of but have not, um, where the Wall
3: Street Journal hasn't been there before. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, Up to probably about two or three years ago, most of our events were focused on the business-to-business community and you could expect to find us at at places where people in the financial industries um, get together or the technology industries and we still, we've not let any of that go and we still continue to do a fair amount of of events and promotion in those areas. But with the launch of the Weekend Edition, we thought it was very important to both show support for some of the industries where we intended to grow advertising, whether that's from the movie category, fashion, travel, all of these different categories where um, we already had some business. But, you know, with the Weekend Edition, it was a huge investment. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make sure that we were fully in the game and had the right contacts in all of these different industries. So we started to sponsor movies uh, premieres. For instance, this year we sponsored um, Marie Antoinette and Babel, The Illusionist, Dreamgirls. Among other movies, and we just came back from Sundance, uh, where we brought the pages of the Weekend Edition to life. So, uh, we, we we want to, people to understand what the the mission of the Weekend Edition is: to be reading the newspaper and to feel that it is a worthwhile use of investment in their advertising dollars when it comes to the advertisers.
2: So before I ask you to Mm expound a little bit about the weekend edition, just, you know, just tell me, what was the best party or the most interesting celebrity encounter that you, you have had since you decided to focus on this?
3: Okay, well the best (laughs) party would probably be our premiere of um, Marie Antoinette, and that was at the New York Film Festival, and we were sponsors of that, and then we had a party at MoMA following the premiere, and it, it was the first time ever that the Museum of Modern Art opened its doors past midnight for a party, they just didn't do it, but we had... 400 people and attendees, anyone from Howard Stringer to Sophia Coppola and Kirsten Dunst, and it was just a wide array of people who had gone to see the movie and then celebrated until late in the evening, and it was just a a gorgeous party, and we were able to bring uh, several of our clients there who enjoyed it, not just um, B2C clients, but B2B clients as well. Mm -hmm. Probably the best celebrity I ever you know, in, in, in all of this that I met was, was The Edge. Uh, when we Last year at Sundance, when we hosted a film, we sponsored a film and then the, the Women in Film Awards afterwards, and The Edge had been involved in the creation, and he had been in the film that we sponsored and it was at the party, and I'm a huge U2 fan. <laughs> in fact, I've flown to... Lisbon just to see them play, and ended up at the same hotel with them. So when I when I got to meet the Edge, we had a good half hour's worth of conversation. <laughs> that, that, nice. The, Did you take pictures? I, I took pictures, and um, the sales staff actually put them up on a slide at the annual sales meeting. As, <laughs> they think that that was my most important accomplishment, is getting to meet the Edge. But it was fun.
2: Well, I don't know, a half an hour conversation with him as well, you yeah. know. It's not too shabby. Yeah. <laughs> So now, t- tell me a little bit about the weekend edition, or, and and what you're doing with the, with the weekend edition.
3: Uh, the weekend edition um, it it launched in September of two thousand five, and uh, last year, by the time the year finished, we had over nineteen hundred advertisers in the weekend edition. Sixty percent of them were new to the journal, and as mm-hmm. planned, some seventy percent. Of the display advertising and weekend edition was B to C advertising. So, uh, you know, our chief goals was to diversify our ad base from being so heavily reliant on business to business advertising to business to consumer advertising. So, the weekend edition helped us bring in new business, uh, helped us um, diversify into B to C, which helps us uh, kind of escape some of the the, the cyclical patterns that B to B goes through and. Um, we are increasingly selling both print and online integrated packages into the weekend edition as well, and uh, we've seen our circulation go up 9% and individually paid you know, by last September. So we're, we're seeing success on both the advertising and the circulation fronts that are, are really bucking industry trends. But again, the company made a big investment, was very committed to it, um, didn't really believe what everybody out there is, says, which is it, it's over for newspapers and print is dead. It's, you know We just went, well, we don't think so, and we've made key investments like Journal 3.0, and we're going to add color capacity to the newspaper, which is going to cost tens of millions of dollars. So we would not be investing this kind of, of money in things like the Weekend Edition if we weren't confident of our future success with the media. Well,
2: you know, you bring up a really interesting point, which is people talking about, you know, are newspapers dead? I mean, there's no question that young people, young people, I'm so old, young people are not getting their, their news the way their parents were. They're right. not reading newspapers the way they did. They're, they're not watching TV um, in, in the same ways, or they're watching it online, or they're watching TV and looking at news and on MySpace, and, you know... I, I guess my question to to you is then in the long term, if if the journal is putting so much money into it, how do you how do you think you're going to be creating their loyalty and reaching them?
3: Well, we are going to be beginning a mentoring program, and because we believe. Um the Wall Street Journal print journal—it—it it, it really is acts like a curator for people in the business world. They, you know, they, it has a beginning and an end, and it, every day uh, we organize what we think is most important for people to know, in a way that has a start and a finish. And along the way, we lift things up and show them things they may never have thought about, and they get to experience the serendipity of, of knowing something about uh, another kind of business altogether than they work in, that they may draw lessons from. So we are going to start a program in, that will offer through many large businesses in America um, to provide the paper to younger readers to get them to start to see the value. And that doesn't mean that we ever expect people to go, okay, this is all I needed, uh, just the Print Wall Street Journal because we know working here that we don't as business people, it's not mm-hmm. enough for us just to look at a newspaper. We need to we need to get our email alerts, we need to um get the breaking news from online it, going online and searching for things. I mean on, the online uh, our online site is like a, a fabulous library that you can go in and, you know, pull out whatever book you want to read. It, whatever you're searching for in business, you know, we, we probably have some answers for. So uh, we use it this way. We know other people use it this way. And we want to make sure that our journalism and our content is available on, in practically every media that is there, and including the newspaper, which we don't see, is going away. It's...
2: So you almost see them as companions, then—the yes. online and the and the print edition, where one sort of helps
3: the other along. Yes, that that's it, Katie. Sometimes we refer people to online to look at to look at a video that we could never, of course, run in the newspaper. And you know, online may break a story, but um, you know, you, you'll turn to the newspaper to. to See the interpretation of it and what it means. It's very hard to do instant analysis. You can do instant breaking news, but instant analysis is a little bit harder because our journalists have to call sources from around the world and in the industries that they cover and get at the heart of the story and what it means. And that takes a little bit more time than an online site can can produce. And it also, we have such a vast network of you know over 800 journalists across the world that. In especially, we have so many more journalists in specific areas that that other people have that our coverage is very, very deep and sound, and we access that coverage to put the newspaper stories together every day. So,
2: well, you you, you touch upon what I think is the most important thing of what the journal offers, and and that's kind of why I wonder, you know, well. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but to me it seems that the, the one true thing that the Wall Street Journal offers is its integrity, and that mm-hmm. people know that if they're going to read it in the journal, as opposed to maybe reading it, you know, in certain other places or online in certain places, that they're getting
3: something that's been researched and they can look at as fact. Well, we couldn't agree with you more on that, Katie. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it tests... You know, with the Pew Center for the Most Trusted Publication in America, that's why um, we also, actually Mendelssohn has come out with a new kind of customer satisfaction survey for readers, and among all the publications that we compete with, even our advertising is considered the most trusted of any publication. So, um, you know, that trust is so incredibly valuable to us, and we believe that it it is what is going to make the franchise strong into the future, because we will be, Upholding, we will never sacrifice our journalism for um, for cost-cutting reasons. We will always right. do, you know we we will always work to produce the best news that's available.
2: But now, taking that one step further, mm-hmm. if down the line it turned out that people didn't want print anymore, wouldn't mm-hmm. it really not? matter that much? I mean, well, clearly, you know, all the money that you're putting into all this stuff now, but, you know, uh-huh. going forward, wouldn't it really not matter because wouldn't it really be the institution and however the news got disseminated would be
3: secondary? Yes, that, that's, that's important. I mean, as you know, print ads tend to um, bring more revenue in to, um, to companies like ours at this point in time, just as broadcast ads more expensive than online advertising, maybe mm-hmm. not in all, not in all cases, but as a general rule, um, media companies still traditional media. So much more money is spent in traditional media than than online yet. So, but we're preparing ourselves for the future. If if print does go away and isn't is relevant, that you know we have the best online, the best podcast, the best email alerts, the best whatever whatever people wa- wherever people want to get their news, we want to be at the forefront of that and. Um, But we we do think that there's going to be just a variety. As you mentioned earlier, Katie, you said companions, and we think a lot of the different uh, delivery vehicles are are, are good companions to one another. Well, I want to ask you now a little bit about the new ad campaign. Mm
2: -hmm. There was this big ad campaign, I guess it was in the 90s, that was very iconic, and it went away for a while, and now it's back. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that.
3: Sure. Uh we had something uh an ad campaign called the Creative Leader series which uh almost anybody that's it, been in the ad business uh for the last, you know, 15 years is is aware of and it goes beyond that. So most people are highly aware of it. We would feature some very famous uh person in the ad business and tell their story. They would tell their story through the pages of the Wall Street Journal and we would run it tra- in the advertising trades as well and feature this pos- person talk about you know show the world how they think how they create um, why they got into the ad business and I can't tell you how often our staff is on sales calls that people in the ad business say, will you bring back the Creative Leader Series? That was such a great, you know, that was such a great campaign. And I know in the two and a half years since I've been here, I've heard it several times. And so finally we agreed to give our customers exactly what they want and we are going (laughs) to bring back the Creative Leader Series. Um, This time around, it won't be the same. Before it used to feature, it, it was a different age when the creative was also the CEO typically. The chief creative is also the CEO, and so Mm -hmm. you were honoring both at one time, but now media has become more fragmented, and so we may may not always be able to do that. The people that are kind of leading and shaping thought in media now may be on the media buying side, not necessarily the chief creative. It may be a futurist. Uh, It's going to be – we're going to look at it in a whole new different way, but um, I've not talked about this at all to anyone in the press, and so you're you're hearing that the campaign well, is that I get the first. Scoop. You get the scoop, but we probably have to admit to your listeners that you know the scoop is that Alex Boguski will be the first person who is featured. And uh, we talk to a lot of people who cover advertising in in the press and the trades. And got their thoughts on who's really making a difference these days, and so we've we've got a lineup that we have, and we're not going to r- reveal it all, but we're on the verge of starting to um, run the new Creative Leaders series, and uh, it's it's great. Uh, it'll again, Alex is exactly who we think should should be in this series. You know, an award-winning, brilliant, successful business person, and I hope that. Everyone who hears this will uh, take a look at what he has to say about what, how young people should think about getting in, into the ad business and where he finds creativity and what he thinks about uh, fear in the workplace. It's a fascinating read. Well, I'm, I can't believe it. I got the scoop. This may you never did. have happened
2: before for me. Yeah, you, <laughs> I you can... like the
3: way
2: it, I like the way it feels.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the journalists that you work with are probably gonna you know be jealous of you katie right now
2: <laughs> and there you have it so we're gonna take a very short break and when okay. we come back we have time for one more question and uh, i can't believe it it'll be a wrap so we'll be back right after this okay
4: sit tight and don't move the hook we'll be back after this short break it's all
6: about links, baby Turning your future into a fortune.
5: Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Hey Amen, bro. Now that ValueClick Media had netted Fast Click, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenIsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. i got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Value Click Media.
1: Dishy Mix. Ego. Machismo. Unadulterated cockiness. Fantastic ideas. Full-hearted business plans. Gut-wrenching stories. Fascinating particulars. Turn-ons and tips from the web world with host Susan Bratton. Get the whole mix. The Dishy Mix. Every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Only on webmasterradio.fm.
6: Wizards, Rainmakers, Rockstars, Gorillas and Guru. Webmasterradio.fm. Come visit our magical Webmaster Wonderland. We got a mouse too. Webmasterradio.fm. We're
4: everywhere. Now back to the hook.
2: The intersection of advertising and PR.
4: Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host.
2: Welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner, and today we are talking with Judy Barry, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing of the Wall Street Journal. Hello, Judy. Hi, Katie. So now, you have had such an interesting career, and we haven't even had time to get to any of it. I mean, before, well, we've talked about your time at the Journal. Before that, you were at the New York Times and the New York Times Magazine. You were at the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post. You'll have to come back and tell us about um, (laughs) that. (laughs) But one thing, and you know, you you manage, you said before about how you manage over 300 people. You've come so far in your career, and, I mean, you're still young. You have so many more things to do. Do you have any advice when somebody comes to you or somebody that would come to you that helped get you where you are today or for somebody who may not be happy where they are? Um,
3: I would just, if you're not happy where you are, I would advocate an immediate change it's, it's not worth it if you can look and assess the situation and see that if it's not going to get any better and you really should check it out because sometimes you know everything is changing so quickly that you could have a, a dramatically different boss or job um, in no time so if if you like the place you work and your colleagues and just a few things are wrong you know really weigh whether it's, it's time to make a move but if you, if you determine that it's, it's just not going to get any better you know, I I would move quickly. You, you know, if, if you're someplace and you're just facing some frustrations, you really don't have to ever kind of live with the hand that you're dealt. I mean, one thing here at the journal, we'd been through, you know, three or four years of, of really bad advertising declines with finance and tech tanking. And, you know, I arrived and I met this one of the most professional and talented teams that I've I've ever encountered in my career, and we just sat down and decided we just weren't going to let it happen any longer. And we were going to innovate, and we were going to we were going to move quickly and with with great speed, and um, we're going to take risks, and we're going to pull together as a team, and and. Change, uh, change our fate, and we did. So, uh, you know, I strongly believe that if you're in an industry that you love, and you're curious, and you're respectful of the people you work with, and um, that that anything is truly possible. I know it sounds a little bit of a cliche, but I, I think that nobody expected to see the journal back where it is today, and it's because of um, so many of the 300 people that just we decided as a group. We're, it's going and to because get of
2: you too, Judy. Because of you. Oh,
3: <laughs> I, gosh! I wish I could take. I wish I could take more credit. Because I'm the leader, I do get. I do tend to get more credit than I deserve. But it it, it was it was a great team and a great product. Just pulling it all together um, has been an exciting exciting time for us all.
2: Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Will you come back in the future and give us a, a check in about how the redesign's been? I will. I will, okay.
3: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: And thank you for listening. Please join me next Tuesday for a special Super Bowl advertising recap. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye.